Welcome back, Grizz Nation, to another edition of the Long View Podcast, a podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. The Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN. Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is a host and reporter for Grind City Media. She is the host of the Jess Grizzlies podcast with Kelsey Wright Johnson. She's a frequent guest as well on the Chris Vernon show, and she is also a hooper. She played college ball. It's none other than Kelsey Wright Johnson. Kelsey, how are you doing today? I'm a former Hooper Parker. Don't do that to me. Former, hey, I was, you know, the big off-season topic was like Hooper, a basketball player. So I was just trying to give you your flowers uh, <laughs> where needed. But uh, how, how's your off-season been? Have you gone on any uh, fun trips here uh, over the past few months? The off-season has been good. Believe it or not, it is just as busy. Maybe a little less, but it we stay busy during the off-season trying to bring everyone some cool content uh, I was able to go home to Canada for a week, and now we are back getting ready for preseason. I'm so excited for the season to finally begin again, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it really hit me yesterday where my, my parents, they have season tickets, and they just have all the emails go to me, and our, the ticket rep emailed them and said the preseason, first preseason game was three weeks away. Now it's just like, wow, it's really almost here. We're two weeks away from training camp. So yeah, our, our uh, listeners are about to get daily podcasts pretty much from the Grizzly Blues Podcast Network. And Kelsey, one of the big reasons I wanted to bring you on this show, obviously, aside from your extraordinary work over with Grind City Media, is you also are on Dylan Brooks Island. You have shared with me that you were one of the first to – really ride with Dylan Brooks and just scream from the rooftop said he's a good, uh, good basketball player. And you know what? Last season, he proved us right. He really emerged as this two-way wing that can check the opposing team's best player, as well as provide a scoring punch alongside John Morant where needed. So, and, and it's, you know, I feel like with you, you've, covered him since like team Canada so you've really gotten to see him grow and mature into what he is today so just what what was it like just kind of witnessing Dylan Brooks just kind of like break out a little bit because you know not a lot of people knew who he was and after that playing game and during the playoff series like everybody knew who Dylan Brooks was yeah I don't think it's a secret that Dylan and I are from the same hometown and you know we're part of team Canada together and then when I hung up my shoes obviously I started covering him so I've known Dylan and seen him playing since you know we were both 
kids. So obviously I'm going to stand on Dylan Brooks Island. I got a little flack from it the last two years, but like you said, he's, I, you said he's proving people right. I think he's proving people wrong. And from the Dylan that I know, that's something that he likes. Like he enjoys people doubting him. He enjoys kind of that the same way jaw does having that chip on his shoulder. Um, and I mean, if you look at his stats, Parker, the year he came back from that toe injury. So like his first full year after that, his stats on the offensive end have gone up consistently. Um, he is a smart player and you'll hear coach Jenkins talk about this all the time. Like, yes, he gets a little bit of criticism for being, you know, not as, I don't know what's the right word. Like he's not as uh, efficient as you would like him to be on the offensive end, but when it came down to it in this playoffs, I mean, he was averaging 26 points a game. He was scoring over 50% from the field, over 40% from the three. And so when you talk about those criticisms, Dylan listens and he's someone who studies the game. He will go back and watch five games in a night. And he's not, he's not, you know, oblivious to those games where he does shoot 20%. He goes and watches, he sees what he does wrong. And, and you can really see that in this playoff push, he, he understood the assignment. I hate to say that because it sounds like a TikTok. I don't know if you're on TikTok, but it's viral right now. Mm-hmm. But he understood the assignment. And, and so, you know, in the season, he was only, I think, 42% from the field, 43, something around there. And so he stepped up. And that's what I like to see from him because he is such, he's just a dog. And I think everyone got to see that on the defensive end. But behind the scenes, it's the same kind of tenacity when he's studying the game and rewatching film. It's that same like heart and soul that you see when he's defending LeBron James that he has by himself watching games afterwards. Yeah, like he's talked about it a lot in the media Zoom calls over the entire course of the season. And just one thing that really impressed me was just how much of a savant for film that he was. I mean, you you mentioned, you know, he will watch like five games at a night and try to study like what he did wrong or those games where he shot 20%, trying to analyze what he did there. But the real thing that really caught my eyes just defensively you know, he said he'll like study his opponents. You could tell like the nine said he forced Bradley Beal, Luka Doncic, Damian Lillard, Jamal Murray, guys like that into rough shooting nights. You can tell that he studied the game, studied their tendencies and really just honed into his craft. And I think that was the, the biggest takeaway from this season is that he's really mastered that craft of being that stopper on the wing that can also go out and get you 20 and, you know, the, like, the last couple of years, uh, he's, he's been one of the only wings that can really create his own shot at three levels because of his size and also just the willingness to do so. And granted, it may result in bat, poor efficiency, quote unquote, or people criticizing his shot selection. But at the end of the day, he's doing what Coach Jenkins has asked him to do. And yeah, you, you were right. You hit the nail on the head. He kind of, he might have proved people like us wrong, people that have, been on Dylan Brooks Island, but also too like the people that you know they're screaming to trade Dylan after the bubble. He proved those people wrong too. Now it's just so much fun to see. No, it is, and it's a it's a great point that you bring up when you say like he talks about studying his uh, opponents. If you go back and you'll notice this this year, now that I say it, if you go back and watch him when he plays someone like Andrew Wiggins or Jamal Murray or Shea Gillagis Alexander, if you go and see these guys who he's been competing with since, you know, they were in high school on team Canada, 
you will see how much he is able to get under their skin because he knows them that much further. And I think this year he has brought that up like another level. The first year I got here, so 2019, like 2019, 2020 season, if you go look at the stats of him and Andrew Wiggins, like the times that he has to cover Wiggins, he's, he loves those games. Not only does he score so much, he loves scoring against other Canadians, um, but he's able to shut them down too, because you know, the best offense is the best defense and he thrives off that. And now, so I think he's brought kind of that tenacity that he has against players that he does know already, like the Jamal Murray's. And now he's doing that with all the other guys that you mentioned, the Bradley Beals, the LeBron James's, the, all the other guys that he's having to guard. I think that's become his kind of like calling card is to get under their skins by just study, study, studying. Mm-hmm, for sure. And uh, one, one thing, you know, with his playoff performance, his performance last season on the, on the offensive end, you know, he may not be a 26 point per game score. And if he is, that's just going to be absolutely ecstatic because the Grizzlies would have that scoring wing that they've longly coveted since uh, they traded away Rudy Gay, even though I think Dylan's kind of already risen up to that level. That's different conversation for another time. But even if he's not this 26 point per game score, that's shooting about 50, 40, 90 um, each and every night. What was the biggest takeaway from his postseason performance that kind of ties into his trajectory as a player like next season or even a few seasons down the road when the Grizzlies are ultimately trying to contend for championships? Let me bring it back to the whole season real quick, and then I'll answer your question. Yeah, (laughs) I think the big thing with Dylan is that And I think this isn't just Dylan. I'm talking about every NBA player now, and I'll bring Dylan into it in a second. But every single player brings something new to this season that they build in the offseason, right? Or else, because if you're not getting better in the offseason, you're getting worse. Because if you're one of those five, six, seven, eight players who gets a lot of minutes for the Grizzlies, for example, teams are going to shut down those tendencies. You know, like jaw drives, we saw this year, they started to close in on the key. So jaw is going to start to have to develop a shot now. Um, So every player brings something new. I think Dylan in 2019, he added, you know, I don't know if you noticed those like wide kind of, um, he finished outside of his body when he was driving because he was getting blocked a lot the year before. In 2020, he added um, kind of like those counter dribbles to create his own pull-up shot. We saw a lot of pull-ups this year because you're calling him kind of like that, he can score at those three levels um, type of scorer. And so I think in this year coming up, you're going to see a lot of him not only continue to create those shots off the dribble, off the catch, um, but I think he's going to, he's going to be working a lot this summer on uh, passing and creating for others and then moving off of the ball. And I think we started to get a taste of that um, in the playoff run. And so we talk about him being a 26 point, per game player shooting 51% and 40% from the field. Yeah. Maybe 26 points a game is not going to be what we're seeing sustainably for the whole season coming up. But Dylan has shown that when he needs to step up, he will. So we look at, you know, Jaron was just starting to come back. We had some guys out. We had some guys in the roster was kind of moving around last year, even into the playoffs, like they were shortening the roster and it was still kind of moving around. We didn't know who was starting game to game. I think those games where, you know, the team is like, Hey, we need someone to score. Dylan's there. If you need him to score 25, he's there. But I think he's also going to be capable this year because he is going to bring this in to setting other guys up too, especially now that Jaron's back, especially that they've got some new blood on the team who is able to take more of those three point shots. I don't think Dylan's going to be one of those guys who necessarily has to 
has to score. I felt the last two seasons that he kind of, he was put into position position where he had to score. And I know the argument on the other side, Parker, is that people are like, Hey, if Dylan wasn't taking 18 shots a game, like John Jaron would have the ball in their hands more, but they didn't. Jaw's not a scorer. Jaw will score, but Jaw's not a scorer. He's a facilitator. So he facilitates the ball to Dylan. Uh, he gets the green light from coach Jenkins. He puts it up. Sometimes it's in, sometimes it's not. And I think this year we're going to get that Dylan real back, just like 2% with that new ability to create for others. Right. That, that was definitely a big focal point for Dylan Brooks coming into the season with that was that playmaking and trying to be a better playmaker and also to his goal of being all defense and just another another point you bring you know of just adding stuff to his game each each year and there's just a different a lot of different ways I kind of just want to unpack that because you really did bring up a good point like if you don't add to your game the next season you're, you're going to be worse because you're that's more that that's less that the opposing team has to really kind of like adjust to your game, but also to other people are getting better and, you know, you could kind of get hopped in the pecking order. It, it leads me to think like, you know, you want people want Jaron and Ja to be the people leading the team in field goal attempts. And, you know, if that time comes, that's great. I feel like Dylan is kind of adjusted to playing that off ball role. And there's just one specific stat that I found that kind of highlights that. This past season, out of any player that shot at least 50 corner three attempts total throughout the season, Dylan Brooks was second. He shot 56% on corner threes. The only player that shot better on those type of shots were Seth Curry. You know, the season before, he shot like 33%. You know, if there's like a regression or anything and it falls to like 40%, that's still good. He's showing that while he may be called upon to create his own shot and to take those difficult shots. He's also shown too, but where it's, if it's not his night or if jaws cooking, Jaron's cooking or like Desmond Payne or Kyle Anderson are catching fire, he can play into that off ball role score where needed and defend the opposing team's best player, like an absolute menace. And I think that's just like kind of like the optimized version of Dylan Brooks that everybody wants to see. Yeah, for sure. That's why the trade Dylan talk made me so angry a couple seasons ago, or even like during this regular season, not because he is a childhood friend of friends of Looster, yeah. but because I don't think a lot of people prioritize defense. You know, it's not like the sexy thing that sells tickets. Like people look and they're like, Oh, Jaws dunking. Oh, Jaws doing this, but Jaws is great. I will never take anything away from him. I think he's going to be an all-star this year. But defense is so important. They were like, no, like, we'll just put, you know, Grayson Allen on the, on the best defender. I'm like, but what about when it's LeBron? You know, like, mm-hmm. what about when it's someone who's bigger? Because Dylan is consistently taking whoever is their top scorer, unless it's like Jokic and it's a five. Um, he's taking that responsibility no matter who, because he does have a bigger frame, a big body for a guard. And so I think a lot of people really underestimated how much, his defense helps the Grizzlies offense. So whatever. I think we're over the Trey Dillon stuff now. So we can move oh, yeah. on and just like people are joining my island. I live on like more of like a, like a South America sized island now. It used to be very small, like a Jamaica sized island. So I'm happy to bring more people on. 
Oh yeah, no, we we are always very happy to welcome people into Dylan Brooks Island. We don't care what they said before. All that matters is that you're, they're recognizing the now and they're they admit that they're wrong. That that's exactly. all we all we ever want to see. And you know, I kind of want to pivot to like a point that you had mentioned previously. You know about adding stuff to your game, um, just from like team perspective or even an individual base. And Kelsey, I want to ask you just what is one area that you would like to see the team or an individual kind of build on and improve uh this season um i think the obvious i think the obvious answer is you know you look at their stats and like their free throw percentage was not great i think they shot like almost maybe a little over 75 percent you'd obviously love to see that go up that's not gonna you know win them a playoff series it's not gonna win them 15 more games but it, it could steal five you know like right but it's still five games and that could change um, standings. Um, you know, again, they're kind of middle of the pack in scoring. Um, you'd obviously like to see that go up. They're middle of the pack with field or field goal percentage. You'd love to see that go up. Um, I guess like the main thing, but I think this could go for any team, which is such a horrible answer to give you. But I think they were 20th in um field goal like from the three three-point percentage mm-hmm. um and 23rd in the whole league in three-point attempts um and i think that they saw that this year and that's why they brought in more shooters and more kind of those wing guards who are known for the shooting like we want to see zaire get more shots up we want to see um you know a culver put more shots up we want to see these guys put more shots up because if you're not if you can't compete with someone you know if they're shooting threes and you're shooting twos you're always going to lose because threes are worth more and so to be at the bottom of the league in three-point attempts it's not ideal um and i think that goes back to being kind of middle of the pack in scoring we're relying a lot on two-pointers um like you know last year we scored a billion points in the paint which is great dominating the paint is great but twos are obviously not going to compete when you're up against the golden states who are shooting the same amount of threes um, so that would be the main thing for the team. I guess when you're looking at individuals, it, it's the same thing, you know, like you can look at everyone's um, inconsistencies last year and you're going to want to change that. We, we talked about every single player comes back with something. Jaw's going to come back, you know, shooting better, defending better. Dylan and Jaron are going to come back, you know, wanting to foul or wanting to not foul, excuse me, on defense. Uh, Kyle's going to come back wanting to be more consistent with his shot. I think everyone's going to come back uh, with something. And I think for such a young team as a whole, there is so much that they need to work on that just focusing on a few things like, like foul shooting. I know it sounds so silly, but just focusing on a few small things is going to take really big leaps for them. It's going to help them take really big leaps. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's really, there's, there's this thing that I've been kind of thinking over the past like couple of weeks or so It's just, you know, everybody wants to see these leaps from the young players because they're young players. You know, they want to see John Morant take that all-star leap, which I, I'm with you in that boat. I think he will. They want to see Jaron bounce back into being like a 20 and seven guy. They want leaps from Bain and Melton and Brandon Clark to bounce back and all this stuff. But here's the thing at the end of the day, Kelsey, like what the Grizzlies score probably about what, like a little around like 110 points per game. And, you know, if you already have Dylan, Jaron, and Ja taking up, let's say, like 65 of those points, 
there's only so many points that can go around. And I know people, they usually use points per game as a barometer, but you know, if they focus on like the efficiency stuff, like whether it's for the free throw line or three point, and I even think three point, I think that could be something they really bounce back in with more touches from Desmond Bain. You have Darren Jackson back into the flow. You see that? Oh, Parker. What's up? I just, thought, I just thought of an actual answer for you because I scooted around it. You want to know my actual answer, what they can improve on? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. They were really good at second half scoring, right? Like they like almost led, I don't think they were like top one, but they were really, they were top in scoring in the third quarter. They were like, okay. In the fourth quarter, I think they were like really bad in the first and second quarter. So I think getting starts like starting off hot in the first quarter and then starting off again, hot in the second quarter, that's going to be an improvement you see this year. You know, that's fascinating. Cause do you think it comes more down to just like them getting into the flow or just finding or is it more about finding like the right combinations? Because, you know, Jonas Valanciunas isn't on the team right now. And there, there's just kind of questions on like, is a starting lineup solidified? What's going to be the, the best optimal starting five that also maximizes the bench? So is it, is it more just like getting into that flow quicker or finding the right combinations? Is how, what, how do you see it? You know what? I, I wish I had an answer for that. I'm just thinking of it right now that, we got so frustrated with them so many games going down and then clawing their way back. And they like, they're putting themselves in this position where they have to claw their way back so many times. Um, and whether or not that's getting into the flow quicker, other teams are figuring out how to do that. Other teams are coming off, you know, straight off tip and figuring it out, whether that's finding the right combinations, you got to do it earlier. I think you have preseason to figure that out. We're going to have the team set hopefully eventually by preseason, which is only a few weeks away. Um, whatever it is, whether it's option one or option two, I think you got to figure it out because this team, I just looked it up. This team was 22nd in the league in second quarter scoring. Like that is not good, uh, for a team that's fifth in third quarter. And that just shows that they did get themselves down. They got motivated at half and they came out hot, but why put yourself down at the, at the, at the start, you know? So I think second half scoring, I don't know the answer. I don't know the fix, but that's my two cents for what we want to see improve for this team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, if you kind of want to find a silver lining in that, it means that Taylor Jenkins is really good at uh, second half adjustments. For sure. So, for a little sure. silver lining there, but <laughs> Kelsey, I do want to ask you because we're, we're talking about like these leaps and seeing improvements and stuff, you know, when it comes to like looking into like the big picture of everything and really trying to break things down with the end goal in mind, whose performance this season are you going to monitor the most? Ooh. Um, okay. Again, I think the obvious answer is Jaron. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like JJ's coming back from injury still. Yes, he played the end of the season, but he's still like getting adjusted. This will be his first full season. But I'm not going to give you that answer because it's too obvious. I'm going to go with who am I going to go with? I'm going to go with Desmond Bain. I think that he could have a big sophomore leap. Um, We saw him in summer league. He was obviously Parker, one of the standouts in summer league, not just for the Grizzlies, but in the entire, you know, like tournament in the NBA. Um, We saw him last year. He came in and he was the sharpshooter, right? Like he has a beautiful shot. It's every time it doesn't go in, I'm like, wait, what? Like, what the heck? What's happening? So, but he made it a big effort this year. And again, we talk about players bringing things to their arsenal. Desmond Desmond Bain talked so much about becoming a ball handler, becoming a playmaker, wanting the ball in his hands more, like getting more assists, being that kind of facilitator. 
Now, no, he's never going to play probably the one over jaw or, you know, the one he's not going to be the backup one, but having a two guard who is able to not only be the dead eye shooter that Dez is, but also be able to pass and play make for his teammates is going to make a huge um, improvement for not only the team, but for Dez too. I think he, I think he has the possibility to have a really, really, really good season. Um, I would be shocked if he didn't make uh, the rising stars game um, for his second year, but I think even more than that, I think he's going to have like a major, major, major role in the Grizzlies offense this year. That's a really phenomenal answer. And I'm really excited to see Desmond Bain next season, as well as obviously Xavier Tillman and his rookie class, just because on the premise of this, the Bain, Tillman, and then even Killian Tilly on the two-way contract. They came into the NBA last season a month after the draft ended mm-hmm. was regular season basketball. So they had to report to training camp in two weeks and immediately hop into games less than a month after getting drafted. You know, that's probably fine with them. Like they probably didn't think anything of it, but you know, they didn't have that summer league time where, you know, they're getting these reps and they're learning the system a little bit more. They're the focal points of the team to kind of really just kind of hop in the pool, but not get like too deep. And you know, they didn't get like the, the legit all-season resume that, you know, Zaire Williams may get. I mean, we saw that Zaire Williams is getting like a 5,000 calorie diet. We, we're not, they didn't get that same thing of, okay, this is what we need you to do for the all-season for the next three months leading in a training camp. They just had to get it and go. And so the fact that guys like Desmond Payne and Xavier Tillman and Killian Tilly, they're actually getting a legitimate off-season early June to late September to really work on their game and kind of retrospect what they need to work on going into their sophomore seasons. I think it's just going to be really cool to see for their development because you can see those leaps. You can see Desmond Bain take on more responsibility on ball, shoot off movement a little more, hit pull-up threes and really just kind of unlock a, a different dimension for the Grizzlies offense that may actually like, you know, propel them into like the points that you mentioned, the first and second quarter scoring, the three point percentage, stuff like that. So that that's a good answer. I really like that. I mean, Parker, if you just look at, because they did not have some really, they didn't have the, you know, the long training camp, the preseason, all of that from last year, look at the, how much, I'm going to say Xavier and Dez because they, they put so much, they put so many minutes in um, Killian obviously just didn't have that opportunity last season. Look at how much they grew as players from their first game to the end of the season. Dez was a legit scorer. X was putting in serious minutes um, as opposed to the beginning of the year where they were kind of like, Oh, these rookies, like they're good, but we'll see how they fit in. Like we're not positive on them right now. Like, Oh, Dez is a shooter. Cool. X is like a third string big. By the end of the year, that wasn't the case. And so I think the NBA, no matter what people say, is extremely different in college. It's faster. The guys are stronger. Everyone is like the star player on a college team. And so it did take them a little bit to adjust. I don't think super long to adjust. But at the end of the season, we saw guys who are going to be in the league for a long time, as opposed to two guys who came in kind of star-eyed and you know, they weren't ready. I don't think, I don't think any rookies were ready last year. It was kind of an unfair situation to put anyone into, but at least they were all kind of in it together. And then they emerged as these like really great NBA players who were both drafted in the 
friggin' 30th and 34th or whatever it was. Um, and so now imagine how much they grew over the season. Imagine having that off season that you're talking about and then another season to grow. They're both going to be really good players at the end of this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we really saw that like after the all-star break, you know, Xavier Tillman, he had that little bit of a stretch where he had the DMP CDs and then next thing you know, he's playing big, big minutes in the play-in game and making big shots at overtime. I mean, he was, he was playing the five over Jaron Jackson in these big moments who Jaron's supposed to be like the second guy. Granted, injuries, he's getting back into the flow. There was just going to be some nights where he just didn't have it. Understandable. But in the, in the day, Xavier Tillman put himself in a position to be in those spots. And like the big thing I caught with Desmond Bain and what made him such a interesting prospect going into the draft was the fact that not only was, he's, was he this like lights-out shooter, he was – also a really good secondary playmaker and he upped his assist average in the last two months of the season up to like two a game, which for a guy that's playing alongside like Tyus Jones and DeAnthony Melton, John Morant guys who already kind of take control of that responsibility. That was a really cool leap to see. He's a little bit more daring with his passes and just finding different holes in the defense. And yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to just have, young players that are just ready to play big moments, no matter how big or small their roles are. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm very excited for the season. Absolutely. Same here. And so Kelsey, I'm going to get you out on this. You, you just, this is your chance to just put like a, a shock into our listeners. You ready for this? Okay. I need a bold <laughs> prediction from you for this season. For the team or for a player or for both? However you want. Okay. Well, I love bold predictions because if they're wrong, people will forget about it by the end of the season. And if you're right, I'm going to clip this and put it all mm-hmm. over Twitter. Um, all right. Okay. Look, <laughs> three seasons ago, this team was like a 60 plus loss team, right? Like they had lost a lot of games and they drafted JJ. They got job. They made the play in, they played, made the playoffs. They've consistently been making small steps forward. This is the first time, you know, like the longest Grizzly, longest tenured Grizzly is Dylan Brooks. First time he made playoffs this year. Um, I think they can make playoffs again next year. I do. I think they are a, Ooh, I'm definitely in the forties for wins. I'm going to go with a 40, four win season, 44, 45 win season. That sounds crazy, but I'm doing it. Uh, and I think Ja is an all-star. I love it. I love it. I, I certainly hope for that. I was reading uh, something from ESPN today with season predictions. I think they had Grizzlies at nine and, and 42. And, you know, I was looking, I was like, hmm, I think it could be more like 45, 46 in a seven seed. I think they can kind of flirt with that. I mean, I think people are kind of, underestimating a little bit just the the impact of getting a healthy Jaron Jackson back and then just the different leaps from different players that you know we talked about on this podcast I mean if if John Moran is an all-star then more than likely this team's flirting more with like the fifth and sixth seed rather than the seventh and eighth seed that's just my opinion though I don't know like I love where your head's at I would love to be a fifth seed and like not worry about play-ins and getting the playoffs and stuff but the west is so freaking strong Mm -hmm. I have a hard time putting the Grizzlies in fifth and don't get me wrong 
I would freaking be so happy. But if they're more six, seven, eight, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be cool with it. Yeah, that, that's where I'm at. I, I have them probably about like seven. I was looking at the, the landscape right now is it really hinges on more of like the Clippers who really just have Paul George and a bunch of role players. <laughs> and then Portland is just kind of a house of cards right now. Wait, so what? where's Kawhi? He tore his ACL. He's out for the year. Oh, I'm stupid. Continue. <laughs> it's all good. I can edit that out. But uh, <laughs> uh, Kelsey, that's about all the time we have. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add? Or do you want to let the listeners know where they can find you and your work? Um, yeah, I guess I'm so sleepy today, Parker. <laughs> um, yeah, folks, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Kel Wright. I put all of my work up there. We're going to have weekly podcasts. Um, if you haven't listened to just Grizzlies before, it is the only podcast that has a player on each week. So that's always fun. You get to know the players better. Um, and yeah, check out grindcitymedia.com for everyone's coverage yay go grizzlies i don't have anything else to say because i think that we just covered pretty much everything i knew that i was coming on to talk about dylan i think dylan's gonna have a great year i think jaw's gonna have a great year and i want jaron to play well we you know that we only saw jaron and jaw play in 53 games together ever in their careers only 53 that's not even that's barely half a season that that's really insane to think about. We we need that to like more than double this season. I think that'd just be yeah. great for all of our sanities. <laughs> but yeah, make sure y'all are following Kelsey over on Twitter to see all of her work with Grindstein Media. It's one of the best. And she the wait, one pop, of what was that? One of the best. I, I just had to be uh objective. I don't wanna <laughs> I don't wanna um I don't want to, you know, cause any debate with our listeners or anything, but you know, oh, like, cause that debate <laughs> listeners, listen up. She's number one in your heart. It's number one on paper. Let's get it. You heard it. You heard it here first, but no, the grind city media, they literally have like a 95, 96 bulls cast over there with just great talent across four great content and great podcasts. So make sure you're checking them out over at grindcitymedia.com. Follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure you are following the blog on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies and make sure you are liking, subscribing, and downloading the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network so you can get every single episode of the Longview, GBB Live, the Core 4 Podcast, 3 and D, and the Sardi Pod Podcast. And that's it.